the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. I'm doing this show right now from my office in San Jose. Uh, Unfortunately, I do have one of my children being sick today, so she's actually with me here in the office. She's just in the outer office because she has a bad hacking cough. And those of you who have kids or who've had a bad hacking cough, you know how that can really be painful to the child and also painful to listen to. So um, I'm going to be pushing ahead here and recording this show Um, So uh, please hang with me. Uh, I want to say that I'm glad that I appear to be getting an audience for the show. I have uh, people now contacting me through planyourestateradio at gmail.com. I had someone the other day request a copy of my California Consumer Guide to Wills, Living Trusts, and Estate Planning. Uh, This is free if you contact me at planyourestateradio at gmail.com. Uh, If you go ahead and email me there, I'll not only email back a copy of that guide to you, it's a 40-page guide, packed with information that would be very, very useful to help you decide whether estate planning of various kinds is appropriate for you. And I'll also put you on my emailing list to keep you informed about uh, future shows and also podcasts of, uh, of the shows that are going out here on KDOW. Uh, just as a reminder, you can go to kdow.biz, that's .biz, and click on the link for podcasts, and you'll be able to listen to or download and listen to podcasts of all of my shows um, on that station. Um, it's also great. You can also share them with other people if you want people to listen to them. There is a way to actually share that with someone else so that they can listen to it because it may not be something that's important to you specifically, but it may be something that's going to be important to someone that you know, a loved one or a business associate or um, a friend at school, a friend at business, a friend at church, synagogue, wherever you happen to uh, to have people that might be in need of services such as mine. You can also visit my website at lawbob.com. That's L-A-W-B-O-B.com. I called it Lawbob because I practice law, and my name is Bob. It's also very, very easy to remember. 
at that site. You can book consultation appointments with me, and you can also register for the various seminars that I offer in my office. I offer a seminar on living trust planning, and I offer another seminar on planning for retirement plan assets. Today, I'm going to be talking um, in the first part of the show about the issues surrounding how to plan for a special needs person in your life. Many of my clients have special needs children or other relatives, and they come in and ask me, what should we do to plan for that person? Now, I can tell you right now that there's a lot of bad ways to plan for someone who's special needs, and there's really only one effective way to plan for someone with special needs. So I'm going to talk today about the 10 costly mistakes to avoid when you're planning for your special needs child or other person in your family that has special needs. There are some unique planning requirements for families with children, grandchildren, or other family members, such as parents that have special needs. There's a lot of misconceptions And these can result in costly mistakes when planning is done. So I'm going to talk about the 10 costly mistakes to avoid. Now, the first one, which is a very common one, is that people think, well, if I uh, disinherit my child completely, then my child will be able to qualify for all the various needs-based benefits out there for special needs people, things such as SSI, or Supplemental Security Income, Medicaid, which is a federal program uh, for people who don't have resources to provide health insurance and also to provide long-term um care benefits, such as nursing home benefits. Now, here in California, this program is called Medi-Cal, and as you can imagine, that causes a lot of confusion because Medi-Cal sounds like medical, and it also sounds like Medicare, which is a health insurance program for those who are beyond a certain age. So they're not the same. There's other government programs that someone with special needs may qualify for, uh, but I'm not going to go into the details of those right now. Now, if you have a special needs child or other relative, you may have been advised by otherwise well-meaning individuals or even advisors of various kinds to disinherit the child. Uh, and that is to protect that child's government benefits. First problem with that is government benefits rarely provide more than the most basic needs for a person. And this solution to the problem doesn't allow you to help your disabled child after you may become incapacitated yourself or after you have died. And that's when a child or other relative is likely to require governmental assistance to meet their basic needs uh, and more than governmental assistance to provide for additional or what we call supplemental needs. So parents should consider establishing a supplemental needs trust. And later on in the show, I'll talk about more detail just what a supplemental needs trust is. A second mistake to make is procrastination. I mean, nobody likes doing something that 
that is uh, difficult. Nobody likes doing something that is uh, makes them feel uncomfortable. And planning for a special needs child may very well be one of those things. Because we don't know when we may become incapacitated or die, it's important that you do planning for any beneficiary with special needs early on in the process, just like you would do for dependents you may have, such as minor children or even a parent that you're actually caring for, maybe a parent that's living in your home and you're providing for their needs. Um, However, unlike most other beneficiaries, a special needs child may never be able to compensate for your failure to plan for them. A minor beneficiary without special needs can obtain more recesses as he or she receives adulthood and can maybe work to meet essential needs, but a special needs child may never have that ability. So that's the second costly mistake is putting it off until later. We don't know the time or place we might become incapacitated or die, so the time to do the planning for that special needs person is now. The third costly mistake is the failure to coordinate a planning team effort for that special needs person. What I mean by this is you should have a team of advisors working together or at least not working cross-purposes to each other, such as an attorney experienced in this planning area, which I am, a life insurance agent who might be able to provide insurance so there's enough money to maintain benefits to take care of that special needs child, a CPA who can advise on the tax return that might be needed for a supplemental needs trust, an investment advisor who can take the funds in that trust and invest them so that they'll last for that special needs beneficiary's lifetime, And then other key advisors, such as a care manager or a care management team of some kind that can put together a program to provide for the special needs of that special needs person, whether it's special training, living conditions, activities, or other things along those lines. Now, after the break, I'm going to come back and pick up on some more of the costly mistakes So um, after the break, this is attorney Bob Bergman. Talk with you when we come back from the commercial. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, attorney Bob Bergman. Before the break, I told you about the first three costly mistakes to avoid when planning for your special needs child. Uh, disinheriting the child, procrastination or putting off doing the planning for the child, and the failure to coordinate a planning team to make sure that your child's taken care of. The next costly mistake is ignoring the special needs for a child when planning for the child's benefit. For example, if you set up um, a regular living trust and just leave everything directly to the child, which is what a lot of people do, um, then if you don't have planning that's designed with the child's special needs in mind, you may end up with the child being ineligible for essential government benefits. A properly designed supplemental needs trust promotes that person's comfort and happiness without sacrificing or losing eligibility for benefits. 
Special needs can include a lot of things. It can include medical and dental expenses, uh, independent medical checkups, necessary or desirable equipment, for example, a specially equipped van that has hand controls for someone who is paraplegic. It can include training and education for the person, insurance for them, transportation for them, and even special dietary needs, special foods that they might need. If there's sufficient monies in a trust, you may also be able to have the person receive some spending money, electronic equipment and appliances, computers, vacations and recreation, movies, money for a companion for the person who can go around with them and stay with them, and other quality of life enhancing expenses that are designed to help that special needs person better deal with whatever disability that they have. So, again, using a supplemental needs trust is critical for this because any other way of leaving the property to that person is likely to cause them to lose benefits that they already have or become ineligible for benefits that they may otherwise qualify for. The fifth costly mistake This would be creating a generic supplemental needs trust that doesn't really fit what that person needs. What I'm talking about there is um, it's easy to create a supplemental needs trust that, that can protect the child from losing their public benefits. However, um, a frequent mistake that occurs is that a trust like that includes a payback provision which means that when that special needs person has passed away, whatever benefits were received by them are supposed to be paid back to the government entity that provided those benefits. Um, This would be instead of allowing the rest of the trust to go to other family members when that special needs child has passed away. Now, these payback provisions are necessary in certain types of supplemental needs trusts, which I'm not going to talk about in the broadcast today. But it's important that an attorney such as myself, who knows the difference, can save your estate, meaning the the trust assets in there, hundreds of thousands of dollars or more if it's properly drafted. The sixth costly mistake is the failure to properly fund the Supplemental Needs Trust and maintain it. Now, funding is the legal term for transferring ownership of property into the ownership of a trust. That's actually what we call it in the legal profession. And it's critical that if you're going to create a Supplemental Needs Trust for your special needs child or other relative, it's critical that there's sufficient assets available for that person throughout his or her lifetime. In many cases, this may require using a funding vehicle or a type of asset that can ensure liquidity or money being available when necessary. Sometimes using permanent life insurance is the perfect funding vehicle for this purpose, particularly if you're young and healthy so that insurance rates are low. What this would involve would be creating a supplemental needs trust and then having it funded with a life insurance policy, either for you individually or one for you and a spouse, or one that covers you and a spouse together called a survivorship policy that pays out 
a large sum of money into that supplemental needs trust so that there's a fund that can be invested and reinvested to provide for the needs of that person and supplement whatever assistance they're receiving from the government. So permanent life insurance may very well be a useful tool in this. And if you have an a very, very large estate, um, which means uh, right now one that is several millions of dollars, you might want to consider having an irrevocable life insurance trust that actually owns this special insurance for your special needs child or other relative. And then the supplemental needs trust becomes the beneficiary of that uh, insurance trust with the trust insurance trust itself being the beneficiary of that special life insurance. If that's done, the life insurance itself is not subject to the federal estate tax, and it is also not subject to creditors' claims that may come against you uh, when you pass away. The next costly mistake could be choosing the wrong trustee to be in charge of the supplemental needs trust. The trustee of a trust is the person in charge of the trust, kind of like the president of a company or the CEO. They're the one uh, in charge of making distribution decisions, investment decisions, things like that. In the case of a supplemental needs trust, that person is also in charge of making sure that the supplemental needs of that uh, person are being met from the trust. Now, during your lifetime, you can manage the trust yourself, but you're no longer able to serve as trustee if you become incapacitated or when you pass away. In the trust, however, you can choose who will serve as the successor trustee following the instructions that you've provided. It could be a team of advisors. It could be a professional trustee. I tend to lead towards recommending professional trustees, uh, including licensed individual fiduciaries and maybe even uh, local banks. I've recommended, for example, uh, Fremont Bank's trust department uh, up there in Fremont because they actually kind of specialize in helping out with these supplemental needs trusts. And But it's crucial that whoever the trustee is, that they be financially savvy, well-organized, and, of course, ethical. Along those lines, I sometimes include the position of trust protector or a trust protector committee in a supplemental needs trust. This is an individual or a group of people that have the authority of oversight over the trustee of the trust, which could include uh, being required to be provided uh, accountings, investment information, and also often being granted the authority to hire and fire a trustee for that supplemental needs trust. This can be very important because Typically, the special needs person doesn't have the ability to look out for their own interests and determine whether or not a trustee is doing a good job or a bad job for them. Now, after the next break, I'm going to wrap up the discussion of planning for your special needs child or other relative with uh, the last two of the deadly mistakes that can be made. So after the break talk with you then. This is attorney Bob Bergman with Plan Your Estate Radio. This is Plan Your Estate Radio 
with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. I wanted to remind you that I'm offering my free California Consumer Guide to Wills, Living Trusts, and Estate Planning. All you need to do is email me at planyourestateradio, all one word, at gmail.com and uh, request the Consumer Guide. I'll be happy to get a copy of it emailed out to you right away so that you can read it and get more useful information. You can also visit my website at lawbob.com, or you can call me at 408-247-0444. Now, before the break, I was talking about the costly mistakes that can be made when planning for special needs uh, children or other relatives. I did talk about uh, the failure to properly fund a trust, meaning put actual assets in that can be used to uh, provide for that person. Um, The problems with potentially choosing the wrong trustee to be in charge of that. Um, And what I'm going to talk about now are three more things. First of all, failing to invite contributions from others to the trust that you've created for that special needs person. One of the benefits of creating a supplemental needs trust today rather than one that's created after you've died, maybe through your estate plan, is that your special needs child's extended family and friends can make gifts to the trust or they can remember the trust as they plan their own estates. For example, family members and friends can name the Supplemental Needs Trust as the beneficiary of assets in their own revocable living trust or their will. They could also name that trust as a beneficiary of life insurance or retirement benefits. This is important because a lot of people... um, want to help out a special needs relative in the family, but they figure the best way to do that is to just leave that person funds directly instead of doing special planning for it. That can have the effect of causing the special needs person to lose their benefits because most benefits that are available are needs-based benefits, which means that you actually have to have a financial need in order to get things such as SSI, Supplemental Security Income, Medi-Cal for health insurance, and maybe even also for uh, skilled nursing care, all those kinds of things. You can't really have assets that you own except in very, very limited amounts and limited circumstances. So creating um, a supplemental needs trust If you do that for your child, you can let the other family members know how to make contributions. And I can actually assist with that, providing you with a format or a letter that could go out, letting them know how to properly leave funds to your special needs child or other relative. Um, And then by doing that, you make sure that the planning that you've done is not interrupted or disturbed because of the well-meaning intentions of others who want to actually help out. Now, here's another thing that a lot of people do. Uh, Remember how I talked at the very beginning, I talked about disinheriting children. Well, the corollary to that is leaving all of an inheritance to your other children 
with an instruction to them that you want them to um, use those funds to take care of your special needs child, their, their brother or sister. Now, this could be a temporary solution uh, if you are briefly in, incapacitated and if your other children are financially secure and and they have money to spare. However, it's not a solution that's going to protect your special needs child after you've died or when your special needs child siblings have their own children, expenses, and financial priorities. Now, if you leave property to your other children with the understanding that they're going to use those funds to take care of their disabled brother or sister, here's some of the issues that could come up. What if your child you left the money to gets a divorce or loses a lawsuit or they're in some kind of a uh, um, profession such as law or accountancy or or um, things like that where they could be sued for malpractice? What if they cause an accident and they're being sued by people that they've injured? Um, the problem is that they get a divorce, their spouse, your son or daughter-in-law, um, may actually be entitled to half of the property you left to that child if it was not done correctly. And um, they're not likely to be interested in or care for your special needs child. What if your child's sibling becomes incapacitated or dies while your special needs child is still alive? There, There's issues there because you don't necessarily have someone now who is able to care for your special needs child's supplemental needs as thoughtfully and as completely as that child's now deceased or incapacitated sibling did. Now, the brothers and sisters of a special needs child often feel a great responsibility for that child and may have felt that way all their lives. If you provide clear instructions and a helpful structure through a supplemental needs trust, this would lessen the burden on all of your children and help support a loving and involved relationship among them for your special needs child. You want to make sure, though, that you don't leave the property directly to your other children or other relatives, for that matter, with the hope that they'll use it to take care of your special needs child. A supplemental needs trust is really the only way to make sure that that happens. The final mistake has to do with an issue that that happens all the time. I've seen it happen in my extended family, and I've had clients come in and talk about what's happened to their special needs relatives, and that is failing to protect that special needs relative from predators. If you leave property directly to the special needs person, or if you fund an inheritance by a will rather than by a trust of some kind, that funding is something that's in the public record. And there are people who are particularly attracted to vulnerable beneficiaries, such as those who are too young and those who special needs people that may have limited capacity to protect themselves from being taken advantage of. When you do planning for the special needs person with a trust in advance rather than a will, then you are in charge of who has access to information about the inheritance you've left for that child or relative 
rather than the probate court system, which is completely public. This will protect your special needs child much more completely than using the court system. And it will also protect other family members who may be serving as trustees from predators that might come in and want to try to get access to those funds left to care for your special needs child. Being from a military family, I know the importance of often going over again things that you've already covered or you've already read. So I'm going to spend the remainder of this segment summarizing what I've been talking about on the show today. Uh, The 10 costly mistakes to avoid when planning for your special needs child or other relative. The first one is don't disinherit the child. If you disinherit them, you're going to find that the benefits available to them may not be sufficient for them to live a more comfortable life. Number two, procrastination. Don't put this off. Do this while you're still healthy, and especially if you're younger, do it while you're young, because no one knows when you might become incapacitated or when you might pass away. Number three, use a planning team effort. Bring in an attorney, a CPA, an investment advisor, maybe a life insurance agent, and then maybe a care manager for that special needs person. Try to get them to work together on the process. Number four, make sure that you're doing a trust that is focused on the special needs for that special needs child or other relative. Number five, don't create a generic supplemental needs trust that doesn't really fit the needs of that child. You want to make sure that you're not actually going to be creating problems for them in the future because you did not have the right provisions in there. Number six, make sure you properly fund the plan. Best way might be using permanent life insurance that can provide a ready fund available to pay for the needs of that person going forward. Number seven, make sure that you're choosing the right trustee and not the wrong trustee to handle this trust after you're no longer able to do so yourself. Number eight, make sure that you let family members and friends who might want to help out know about the supplemental needs trust and the right way to either make contributions to that trust now or contributions to that trust from the person's estate when that person dies. Number nine, don't rely on your other children to use funds you might leave to them to take care of your special needs child. Lots of things can happen to others in the family, and you want to make sure that you have made provision for your special needs child directly. Then number 10, don't fail to protect the special needs child and family members who might be helping out from predators. Using the Supplemental Needs Trust will make sure that the information about your child and who's in charge will be kept private and not released through the public records. That concludes my show segments today on 10 Mistakes to Avoid When Planning for Your Special Needs Child. I still have one more segment at the end of the show, so I urge you to stay tuned. In the meantime, Please feel free to call me at 408-247-0444, visit my website at lawbob.com, or email me at planyourestateradio at gmail.com to get a copy of my free consumer guide. So, I'll talk with you after the break. This is Attorney Bob Bergman. 
Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Before the break, for the first part of the show, I talked about 10 costly mistakes you can make when planning for your special needs child or other relative. For the remainder of the show today, I'm going to talk about something near and dear to my heart. Who should help you with your estate planning? Now, one thing that I know is that people have a lot of options out there for who can do their estate planning for them. And and I'm going to kind of cover each one of those options in a little bit of detail so that you can be a better informed consumer. The first is what I call the self-help or the do-it-yourself planning options to have a living trust-based estate plan prepared for you. You can pick up self-help books from NOLA Press in Berkeley or books you can find at Amazon.com and Barnes & Noble and then try to do this on your own. You can also go to various online websites such as LegalZoom.com, Rocket Lawyer, and even Susie Orman, the financial advisor who has that show, has a website as well. These self-help planning options all have a number of things they share in common. The first one is they tend to be one-size-fits-all with little or no customization for whoever is using the service. What this means is that if you are a square peg, you're going to have to try to fit into the round hole or the triangular-sized hole that this planning option is made for you. These options tend to be cheap um, or inexpensive, but I find they often have little substance to them, what I call a bare-bones type estate plan. Bare-bones meaning that there's lots of provisions and issues that are not dealt with in the documents that they create. And much like a, uh, a skeleton hanging up in the corner of a laboratory that's being suspended from the top of its head, with a with a hook, if you take it off that hook and let go of it, there's a pile of bones on the floor. And that can often happen with a trust like this because it doesn't actually have the information that's needed when it's needed. These planning options can't ask you all the right questions and legally cannot answer your questions because none of them are, in fact, lawyers. And that's a very important point. The problem with the interview process is you may not actually have questions asked of you in the online interview process because the questions might very well trigger a response from you, such as, what does that mean? For example, do you wish to disinherit somebody, meaning you don't want to leave property to somebody? Um, Do you live in a community property state, which here in California is critical? You may find these questions are not actually asked at all, and the answers to those questions can be critical in your particular estate plan. But in the plan that you're doing online or from a book, it may not have any option for you to deal with those things. The do-it-yourself or self-help options often miss important issues because, number one, they're not attorneys, and number two, they want to make a sale. They're interested in having you use their services, and they're not concerned about any particular issues you might have in your family. And the kicker is, if the plan doesn't work when you need it to, which is typically when you have died, 
All of these approaches have no legal responsibility if the plan doesn't work. This is because they're not attorneys. They don't stand behind the work. And in fact, they tell you if you have any questions about any of the planning that you're doing on your own using their service, that you should consult with an attorney. Now, a second planning option that a lot of people use is to go to a local attorney who advertises that he or she does wills and trusts. Now, if you go to the website of an attorney such as this and see that the attorney does three or four other practice areas, such as family law, personal injury, bankruptcy, things like that, then you're probably dealing with someone known as a general practitioner. Now, a general practitioner in law is similar to a general practitioner in medicine in that this person does not really specialize in anything but can treat a lot of relatively minor ailments um, that have kind of standardized treatments. So if you go to a general practitioner that does wills and trusts, they probably use fill-in forms from a book. They probably use the statutory forms of power of attorney and advanced health care directive that were created by the state legislature a number of years ago. These documents do not require a lot of conscious thought or discussion, and they may be perfectly fine, but they may be completely inadequate for your particular situation. The will and trust lawyer may use a drafting system, but may not completely understand all of the options in the drafting system because this is not really the person's specialty in the law. They look at selling wills and trusts as another thing that they can sell in their practice, Uh, much like a service station might sell tires from a rack in the back of the work base. Now, I don't know about you, but if I want to have tires for my car, I go to a place that sells tires exclusively, and they're experts in tires. And speaking of that, uh, the will and trust lawyer often has a very short interview process and an assembly line preparation system um, treating the living trusts like a product rather than a service. They often miss important issues because they're not educated about them, and they often cannot even explain trust provisions in the trusts that they draft. So I'm done for today, and I just want to say this is Attorney Bob Bergman signing off. Contact me at planyourestateradio at gmail.com if you want to communicate with me. Thank you. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, where you'll also find information on his upcoming estate planning seminars. L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com. Or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.